0: Are you an educator who works with vulnerable children? Are you frustrated with trying to meet the needs of vulnerable children in an inflexible, target-driven system? Would you like to know how you can better help support these vulnerable children in your school or organization? Well, look no further. Welcome to this special podcast series from Braveheart Education. Now, please welcome your host and the author of The Teacher's Introduction to Attachment, Nicola Marshall.
1: Welcome to number 14 in our special podcast series, The Teacher's Introduction to Attachment. And today I want to look a little bit about the area of control and self-reliance. And we've mentioned already in previous podcasts about um, children's need to control their environment when they've been in a situation where they've been powerless and out of control due to what might be happening within their home environment then control becomes very important for them uh, later on in life. And, of course, most of the things we've talked about are are in the subconscious. They're not aware of of what they're doing, but very much or very often it can look like they are aware. It can look like they are manipulating circumstances, but quite often that's not the case. It's coming from that place of fear and uh, of being powerless, and so they need to control. And the more anxious they become, the more controlling their behavior might become. Um, And sometimes that can be quite subtle. You can come away from from, um, an encounter with a child and you think to yourself, I'm sure that we were going to do such and such and we've ended up doing something completely different. Uh, I remember one of the therapists who's worked with one of my children saying that to me after about three sessions. She rang and said, "Um, I've just realized that actually he's controlling everything that we're doing uh, in the sessions. And it's so subtle that you just don't notice it. It's tiny little Um, movements and and, and little kind of uh, things that he does that that you end up doing exactly what it is he wants you to do and then other times it's not so subtle other times it might be much more um, demanding much more obvious where they're telling you to do something Uh, they're trying to control what everybody else does in the environment I see this certainly with my children as siblings that very often it's Um, the the need to control the other person so much so that sometimes it's about um, you know the fact that somebody's breathing next to them Um, and the more controlling they are then I know that there's anxiety going on and that's an indication for me that actually there's something else going on there's something else that they're worried about uh, deep down so what are some of the signs of children who might struggle with control um, well, the first one is that they can be quite confrontational. So um, it might be, as I say, right in your face where they say, no, they're not doing something. Um, so much so that, you know, they won't go to school. They won't come out of the cloakroom. Um, that That's kind of level of, of confrontation and control Um, they might run away and hide that's a form of control as well it's very difficult to to run after children in your environment at school they may also dissociate so this is where they just completely blank out emotionally and they've kind of taken themselves to another place inside so that they can cope with with the level of stress and anxiety that they feel um, and that can be quite scary when you see a child do that because it does look like they've just completely zoned out. But it's nothing to be frightened of. They, it's a mechanism that they've, they've developed in order to protect themselves. Um, and it's just about a, a case of trying to get them, you know, to, to kind of uh, come back to a safe place. And taking charge for other people. So very often if you have uh, particularly older siblings who've looked after younger children or have felt the responsibility of that, then they can find it difficult to relinquish that and to let adults take charge. So they might very often um, be telling other children what to do or taking over for other children. Um, and in terms of self reliance, I've put these two together because I, I think it's very often you see this more in avoidant um, styles of attachment where um, the whole thing is about them relying on their own, um, on themselves to get their own needs met. And self reliance is quite different to independence. Very often we're pushing children towards independence as they get into kind of year six, year seven, we want them to try and become more independent and for these children many times it's not independence that they're showing but it's self-reliance because independence to be truly independent you have to have been truly dependent on someone and for children who haven't been able to depend on adults uh, around them then what they are showing is more self-reliance so it may be that people you know will say oh they're fine they can look after themselves they can they'll be all right doing that activity um, or going to that place But I know certainly for for one of my children that actually um, she does need us there. It's just she she won't actually acknowledge it and won't ask for help. So what are some of the things that you can do um, to help a child who struggles with control and self-reliance? It's very difficult to get the balance between uh, nurturing and structure. I found this really difficult is to to strike that balance between uh, controlling things or giving them the power to make their own choices or you actually telling them what is going to happen. Um, And I found this with one of my children that when we were going to see a therapist, it was one of the things we talked about, that actually he appears to need control all of the time, but when he gets that control, uh, he very often can't cope with the responsibility of that. So um, he may say uh, that he wants to watch a particular film on TV uh, and everybody else has to watch that film and then when we put the film on, he goes and does something else. So it's kind of like it's all about the control, but he doesn't actually want the thing um, that, that, that he's saying, that he's demanding that he wants. So it's difficult to get the balance between saying this is what is going to happen and whatever you say, this is what's you know, th- going to happen uh, and allowing them to have some involvement in that. And with this, I'd like to just mention again, I know I've talked about it in a previous podcast, about the metal box with a velvet lining. It's very important here to have that strong structure, but also to, to you know rely on the PACE model um, with how you relate to children. Also, it's important to give age-appropriate responsibility. Uh, and I found this can be a problem with schools, is that um, when a child appears, to be responsible in terms of, let's say, mentoring other children. They might want to help with other children, um, like the taking charge for others. It doesn't mean that they are in a place of responsibility or that they can handle that. It just means that you know they, they, they feel responsible for people, but they're not sometimes actually responsible. Um, so it's thinking about what is age-appropriate. Remember, emotional age, not chronological age. And that that will help in terms of um, what you give them to do, uh, making choices. So you may have probably have heard this said when people talk about control is to allow a child to make some choices so that they can have uh, that feeling of of power. But what I would say with this is make sure that the choices are win-win choices. So um, do they want blackcurrant or do they want orange juice? It doesn't really matter to you um, which one they have. Um, So it gives them that chance to make a choice. Now, for some of them, they may not be able to make that choice. You may have to say, um, you know, do you want blackcurrant or orange? Actually, you know, why don't you have blackcurrant? Because you had that yesterday and you really enjoyed that. Now, they may, of course, then turn around and say, no, I want orange. But at least they've made a choice. So it's giving them some... Power And finally, I would say pick your battles. Um, I find this a lot with schools that because, um, you know, we have rules and it's right to have rules, but some of the rules for some of these children are quite difficult and they can seem to kind of um, be blown all out of proportion. So, for example, um, in primary school, if the rule is that they wear black socks, and a child just will not go to school unless they've got stripy coloured socks on, then, you know, maybe it's best to think about, is that really important? Or, um, I heard of a school recently where they were having battles every morning with a child who wouldn't take off their coats when they came into school. And, you know, I kind of think, well, just just leave them, just let them do that. And then in time, they do take off their coat. It's about the control. Now, I know you have lots of other problems in schools in terms of how that goes down with other children and other parents. But I do think it's important just to think, you know, is this a really important thing or is this about a battle for control? Uh, and sometimes I, can, I think it's maybe more about the control than actually... Um, giving the child what they need if it means that it it alleviates some of their anxiety then it's better to do that okay so time is up so that's the end of number 14 in this series Um, so hopefully you will come back and we will continue with a look at self-regulation
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast, part of a special series introducing the Teacher's Introduction to Attachment. To order your copy of this book, go to www.teachersintro.com.